Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, Series 1, Episode 9. I'm Karina. And in the show, we like to share the stories of our ancestors and bring your Irish heritage to life. Before we start, do remember that any resources or references we mention in this episode can be found in the show notes at aletterfromireland.com forward slash 109. That's aletterfromireland.com forward slash 109. So let's begin. Today's two letters introduce us to a couple of inspirational and awe-inspiring people, a man and a woman who both lived in Ireland, one born here and the other died here. However, both went on to achieve amazing discoveries in their chosen fields and their influence is still felt in our modern world today. Who can they be? Well, You may have noticed that many of our letters from Ireland are inspired by our readers and Green Room members. In the following letter, we published it last year and received a very interesting reply from one of our readers. And I've included that reply at the end of this letter. So, let's kick off with the lady first. One Agnes Mary Clerk. And this letter is entitled, Let Us Gaze at the Moon and the Stars. I wonder, do you remember where you were as Neil Armstrong stepped onto the moon in 1969? It was one of those firsts that has burnt into our collective memory and stayed there. Well, just three years later, the NASA astronauts landed on the moon for what was to be the last time in the modern age. On December the 7th, 1972, the Apollo 17 mission landed just to the southeast of a crater measuring six kilometers across. Now, keep in mind that crater as we're going to come back to it a little later on in the letter. Look at the stars. See how they shine so bright. 125 years earlier, a young girl by the name of Agnes Mary Clerk gazed out of her window at the night sky. It was a clear night and the moon was a wonder to behold, lighting up the frosty rooftops of her native Skibbereen, County Cork. The year was 1847, the height of the Great Famine in Ireland, and her town of Skibbereen and its hinterland were some of the hardest-hit locations at that time. The streets, lanes and fields were full of the starving, sick and dying. So maybe, you know, it was just as well that this young girl's attention was drawn up towards the heavens. Her father was John Clerk, a local bank manager in Skibbereen. He met and married Catherine Deasy from nearby Clonakilty, and they settled in Skibbereen, where each of their three children were born. The Clerk family acquitted themselves well during those terrible first years of the famine, supporting and helping out with local food distribution. They also chose to school their three children at home. Both parents were able to provide their children with a solid grounding in the classics as well as science. 
However, it was a four-inch telescope housed in their home that provided the real attraction to the young Agnes. She developed her interest in astronomy from an early age and she had started her own history of astronomy by the age of 15. The writer and scientist emerges. When Agnes was 19, her family relocated. First they went to Dublin and then on to Queenstown, now known as Cove in County Cork. This was followed by a move to Italy with her sister, where she furthered her education in languages and astronomy. However, her dedication to the science of astronomy really started to gain hold when she settled in London. She was never a formally trained scientist, but she found her voice in sharing the discoveries and works of the astronomers with a wider scientific and lay audience. This period culminated with her publishing A Popular History of Astronomy During the 19th Century in 1885. In this book, she managed to both capture and explain the great leaps forward that had taken place in the field of astronomy over that time. So in Agnes Clerk's own words, here is what she had to say of her endeavours. What has been done is little scarcely a beginning, yet it is much in comparison with total blank of a century past. And our knowledge will, we are easily persuaded, appear in turn the merest ignorance to those who come after us. Yet it is not to be despised, since by it we reach up, groping to touch the hem of the garment of the Most High. Agnes Clerk became widely recognised by her contemporaries and peers, winning a number of scientific prizes and was eventually elected as an honorary member of the Royal Astronomical Society in 1903. She was only the third woman up to that point to be granted such an honour. Agnes Mary Clerk died in London on January the 20th, 1907. But as I write this, write this letter, I am sitting in what was the home of Agnes and her family. I like to think of that little girl looking out these windows on a winter night, following her wonder and curiosity to the moon and the stars. Now back to that Apollo 17 mission that I mentioned earlier in the letter. The name of that moon crater they landed beside was none other than the Clark Crater, named for the life and accomplishments of Agnes Mary Clark, born in Skibbereen, Ireland in 1842. How about you? Do you have any budding scientists in your family? Well, I asked this question of our readers on the letter from Ireland, and I received so many replies. I'm often amazed at how our reach exceeds our grasp on these letters. So many readers get back to me with stories and connections of their own. In this case, quite a few of our readers appear to have personal family connections with engineers and scientists involved in the various NASA programs of the 1960s and beyond. Here is just one example from Anne Hutchinson from Oregon. She goes on to say, Enjoyed this newsletter and I decided to respond with my own family history about NASA and the aerospace industry. My father and his half-brother devoted their careers to aerospace. 
My father was a senior project manager designing the four small jets on the lunar module that Neil Armstrong and the team landed on the moon. These jets allow the crew to manoeuvre while landing. His half-brother was a flight director for the first shuttle Columbia. Now you're probably wondering why I'm writing to tell you this, continues Anne. Their great-grandfather was James T. Hutchinson, born the 19th of May 1802, parish and county unknown, Ireland, and his wife, Sarah Catherine Culclough, born the 1st of February 1819 in Dunleckney, County Carlow. They, along with their small daughter, left Ireland for Canada in 1838. James T. had a long life serving with the Methodist missionary system and as a priest with the Church of Canada in Ontario until his death in 1878. They went on to have 13 children. Two of his sons emigrated to the west coast of America and the rest of the children remained in Canada. My father's father followed his two uncles to Seattle, Washington, eventually moving to Oregon, where the two brothers were born. So two second-generation Irish-Americans contributed greatly to the exploration of space. I hope you enjoyed this little bit of follow-up to your lovely story about Agnes Mary Clark. Sometimes it seems that all things are connected sooner or later. Well, thanks, Anne, for sharing those personal family connections. What marvellous connections to have. And thank you for making that connection, too, all the way back to Ireland. That comes to the end of this letter now. So Sloan, Mike and Karina. So there we have the story of Agnes Mary Clerk. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Before we start our next letter, I'd like to say that we currently live in Agnes Mary Clerk's house, which makes it all the more real for me as I read the letter to you today. And as it happens, just last week, the links to the buildings and people of famine times here in Skibbereen were explained very eloquently by Mr. Philip O'Regan of the local Heritage Centre as he guided us on a historical walking tour of the town. When we walked up to the Clerk House here on Bridge Street, he mentioned how Agnes Mary Clerk was a favourite of his and that they should be justly proud of her achievements here in Skibbereen. And I definitely agree with that. Now that brings us to our next letter and to a city just up the road from here where there's another old building recently restored and linking us to the man in our second letter which is entitled Ones and Zeros and the Way We Live Today. Ones and Zeros and the Way We Live Today. Louis O'Halloran. How do you know Louis O'Halloran? This was the voice of my office mate Marion and she jumped up when I asked her if she knew Louis O'Halloran. She went on to say, You know, when I was a small girl, my dad came home from work every day and I used to ask him who he talked with that day. He knew I was just waiting for him to say Louis O'Halloran. I just loved the sound of the name and I still like hearing it, she exclaimed. Now, Louis O'Halloran was my own lecturer in logic and digital electronics when I attended the college where Marion's father taught in the early 1980s. It turned out to be the most important class for me because it set me up on a career in software and digital electronics. Do you know, without all that logic and binary arithmetic that our Louis taught and I learnt, 
we wouldn't have computers, smartphones and the internet. In fact, you and I probably would not be chatting this morning. However, there was one man behind the discovery of this whole field of mathematics and he lived and worked just down the road from where I am today. The Great Melting Pot of Ireland. We're used to hearing about countries like the United States as melting pots of culture and tradition, but I'll have you know that here in the island of Ireland, we have also acted as a similar melting pot over the past 10,000 years. During that time, people have arrived from the island of Great Britain and continental Europe. First the original settlers on the island, then the Celts came, the Vikings, followed by Normans, the Scottish, the English, the Welsh, the French Huguenots, and so on it goes. Some people stayed and they still live on this small island of ours, but others arrived and left after some generations due to hardship or discrimination. However, this mix of cultures has thrown up some great works of genius over the years from people like W.B. Yeats and Oscar Wilde, George Bernard Shaw, and that's just naming a few. Some individuals came to Ireland for a much shorter time, but somehow they became part of the fabric of Irish society. And eventually, as we Irish like to say, they became one of our own. Now, such a man that became one of our own was George Boole. He arrived in Cork back in 1849 and he lived here until his early death at the age of 49. Social philosopher and mathematical genius. George Boole was born in Lincoln in England as the son of a poor shoemaker. His father John Boole, while failing at business, was an extraordinary father and educator. He worked with his son on languages, mathematics and philosophy and George absorbed all he could both easily and willingly. George had only a primary school education, but by the age of 16 he was proficient in a number of languages and he ended up supporting his family by working as a school teacher. Over the following years he was especially attracted to the field of mathematics. He began to publish his own research papers and eventually won a number of awards. About the time that George Boole was making a name for himself in mathematics, a new university was establishing itself in Cork City. Now, it must have been difficult to attract a teaching faculty to this university, as at that time the famine was in full force and the university was unproven. So in 1849, George Boole was appointed the Professor of Mathematics at Queen's College. Later, that became known as University College Cork. Boole was a man without any formal education or degrees and while being a genius with glowing testimonials from the leading mathematicians of the day, it must still have been difficult to obtain an academic position elsewhere. So he took a chance on Cork and Cork took a chance on him. Boole also was an outsider. He had come from a poor background himself but he must have been horrified at the social upheaval and suffering happening all around him in Cork as a result of the famine. He travelled widely in the Cork area and he wrote the following back to his family in England. Of the state of cultivation in Ireland, judging from what I saw yesterday while travelling from Dublin, it is impossible to speak in terms too sad. There is over the whole country an air of utter destitution and abandonment. 
For miles and miles you see nothing but fields overgrown with weeds, scarcely a human being by the way or a herd of cattle in the fields. So it has been said that Boole used the problems that he witnessed all around him to spur on his thinking and research in fields of philosophy and mathematics. He was a problem solver and he was certainly surrounded here by huge social and equality problems. Through his time in Cork, he published his most influential papers and works. And part of this work went on to become eventually known as Boolean Algebra, enabling the design and construction of so much that we see around us today as we go about our digital lives. When Boole arrived in Cork, a young lady called Mary Everest, uh, by the way, she had an uncle who had a mountain named after him, Mary Everest came to visit another uncle called John Ryle, who was professor of Greek at the university. Boole and Mary met and eventually married and went on to have five children together, all girls. Sadly, George Boole must have been lost in deep thoughts of genius as he walked to college one morning in the pouring rain. And he taught for the whole day in the same damp, wet clothes. Unfortunately, he caught a cold This led to pneumonia and he passed away on the 8th of December 1864. He's buried in a cemetery in Cork just a few hundred yards from my own mother, rest in peace, who was also very quick with numbers, it must be said. Now, earlier in the letter, I mentioned how Boole was tutored so well by his father in his early years. And sometimes you wonder if genius is nurtured or nature, or is it a mixture of both? What do you think? Well, when Boole died, he left a wife and five girls behind, aged between one and nine, and I guess those girls would have been much too young to benefit from the tuition of their father while he was alive. However, that did not deter them, and their legacy as a family has been extraordinary. Lucy, one daughter, went on to become the first female professor of chemistry in England. Another, Alicia, became a distinguished mathematician, Ethel Lillian went on to write the novel The Gadfly. Margaret's children went on to become eminent mathematicians and surgeons. Mary Lucy's children became philosophers, inventors and activists. I guess that the genes must play a part after all. The year 2015 marked the 200th anniversary of the birth of George Boole. Father, husband, genius... Honorary Irishman and most certainly Honorary Corkman. Weren't they the two most extraordinary people, Mary Agnes Clark and George Boole, both part of our collective Irish heritage? If you ever pass through Cork City, do be sure to look out for George Boole's house. It's situated on the banks of the River Lee and very close to the University College Cork. Well, that's it for this week. I do hope you've enjoyed listening to the Letter from Ireland show and bringing your Irish ancestry to life. Also, remember, the show notes for this podcast are available at aletterfromireland.com forward slash 109. Just before we go, thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we invite you to check out our special membership area called The Green Room. 
You can find full details of The Green Room at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. And remember there, green room is all one word. The Green Room is the essential resource for anyone at any stage in researching their Irish heritage. It's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. You get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The Green Room is the perfect place to be for anyone starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So do come and join us at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Well, that's it for me, and I'll be back next week with another installment of The Letter from Ireland Show. Look forward to chatting with you then. Slán Karina. <laughs>